off the ball. You two lads are from Leinster, so it's no wonder you're given out of the provincial championship. I don't want to take away the provinces. Who drew the geographical lines back in the day? It's because of the way that the provinces are broken up. Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Just a slight tangent on, on that. <laughs> this, is a, this is far too much of a tangent. Just a brief interruption. Can I also say one more thing on this? But uh, we also need to impose some rules. Like, we can't just have 20 minute tangents over a text. Come on. That's just refusal to consider the circumstances. I'm not going to entertain that, Joe. This conversation is not a good one, I think. Do we argue much? No. Right, we keep them inside. And fester. <laughs> See, I thought this was a ridiculous text until I read the top three, and then I thought, Do you know on. what? Oh, I'd yeah. actually debate that with you. <laughs> it is an interesting. Sorry, it's not an interesting question, but. Uh, Let's I, make I, that clear. <laughs> I love the sound of a snooker referee counting up the score. Well, hello. They said it couldn't be done, but here we are, six in a row against all odds. This is a slight tangent at offtheball.com, by the way, if you want to send us an email. So if you're new to this slot, this is where the FMPM team reflect on the general goings on of a week. It is a production meeting minus the gossip, cursing and libel. And to our great and pleasant surprise, lots of you keep emailing in talking points. And frankly, without them, not least based on our brief conversation today, uh, we'd have nothing. Michael McCarthy, hello to you. Hi, yeah. Uh, Dr. O'D, hello. And Willow Callahan, hello to you. Evening, lads. Someone gave out to us last week on uh, YouTube, not to, not to go all Will on it first minute in, but uh, someone. <laughs> someone <laughs> that is a line that comes out of your mouth more often than <laughs> not. So, someone gave out to us on YouTube for, for suggesting that we'd had a production meeting, even though I think we said it was a four minute production meeting, because apparently that's not the point of this. I love when listeners tell you what the point of a segment is, by the way, but uh, apparently we should just be coming in off the cuff. Ah, uh, we can't do that. We'll do it an hour. I don't, th- I don't think we ever pretended to do that, I no, have to say. Yeah, that's a misunderstanding of what we're doing. Let's face it, there should be a lot more uh, preparation than there actually is. I yeah, think tonight no. might be pretty impromptu, so... Yeah, I've made, a, I've, made a, I've had a copy and pasting disaster. <laughs> uh, in, in copying and pasting terms, it's a tragedy, what's happened, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll muster along. I, so some of your emails, which I thought were very good, we're not going to get to them now this evening, but I'll make them up. Do you so many this week. Loads. Like, I mean, hard to get through, but in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain your copy and mistake mistake here, Joe? What happened? It'd be very boring. I just, um, I just have made a complete mess of things. Um, just. I copied and pasted notes for Stephanie Meadow in instead, and now they're all, all the ones I'd picked are gone. It's a, it's a disaster. Were you like, a lot of questions for the tangent about the <laughs> women's tour. What's going on here? Yeah. So. Look, let's face it, it's not going to be the biggest administrative error in the news this week. Oh my goodness! Topical satire. What? <laughs> oh, that's a sort of reach, I have to say. I think that's kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> uh, well, I jump in and see where we go to. You are. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Six in a row. Sure, we're we're coasting anyway. Cruising. We can have a week <laughs> off. Bigger than Jesus. Yeah. Uh, hi, Joe, Arthur, Mick, and Will. LTST. Do you like your jobs? <laughs> <laughs> what a start <laughs> this is from Tig uh, thinking about Joe's chat with Vincent Hogan I wonder do you find your average day your average day in sports journalism and broadcasting to be more fun and engaging than your prior jobs also could you ask Dr. O.D. whether he considered an academic career I uh, love the show my wife Vito's sports ho- podcast we're in the car- when we're in the car together but she will listen to a slight tangent <laughs> hello to your better half Tig uh, what an endorsement I indeed mm. Uh, Dr. O'D, did you consider a career in academia? Um, properly, no, probably not. This wouldn't have been, wouldn't have been cut out for it. Wouldn't have been cut out for it. It's too... <laughs> Go on. Well, it's like, you know, you cr- like I, you cross paths with people during th- those four years. So people like even my supervisor for stuff and this by the way for people just tuning in we the, uh, Arthur's <laughs> uh, thesis came up last week spent four years working on his thesis yeah yeah and we haven't talked about the fact that oh, Arthur's thesis got the biggest bump of all spiked. time crazy I checked it again today 177 <laughs> what 177 downloads <laughs> it's absurd on the basis of last week I think it turned into a book <laughs> <laughs> there's an audience there are DCU thinking my god what's happened here well that's I mean it's it's a, it's a very when you extrapolate from however many people are listening <laughs> to however many people went and downloaded that's not a bad it's not a bad ratio it's a good conversion ratio how many people would have downloaded it in the previous however many years it's been out there oh, for like, it, like the numbers now are so it's not you can even barely call it a scale like it's just kind of gone off <laughs> it just doesn't even know when you look at it like it made it like, combined like to 177 on just in June 2023. No, I'm saying would it have combined? Oh, probably not. That point, oh, yeah. I wouldn't even wow. say close. 
Oh, so you, you think the past week has beaten every other month? Oh, combined, month? I'd say so. Stop. It's 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Who else will be stumbling upon it? I, I suppose. What was the name of it again? Uh, older Than Younger Now. And if you look older than younger now on Bob Dylan, you'd find it. Okay. Wow. People shall. <laughs> they have. That's amazing. If you've read it, please very, let very us know. Legitimate. Yeah, no, I'd get in touch. <laughs> I'd love to talk about it. Yeah, I'd <laughs> like, say you would. But it's uh, it was crazy because someone put that in the YouTube comments as well. Okay. So I wouldn't, I, I'll be honest with you now, I wasn't checking. We have a YouTube correspondent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm looking at his we're making, we're making you redundant here, Will. <laughs> I wasn't you checking. Sanford. I didn't even know you could check the downloads until someone said it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I'll go have a look. And then it just that's kept steadily climbing. Interesting. It's crazy. So this four-year process put you off a life in academia. It's not that you put it off, you just wouldn't be cut out for it. In what respect? Um, I've seen some of the people who are the, the, the best people I saw doing it operate in a way that I would want to operate but can't. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It wouldn't be. I'm sure you could get by and you could be passable, not at it. Do you know what I mean? It's like a job, like anything else. But um, no, I don't think so. It's also it's fiercely competitive. Fiercely competitive. Like I know this industry is pretty competitive too, but it's competitive in a sort of different way. Like you got to always be working on stuff, always publishing, always kind of having a profile while doing everything else to make sure you're kind of... Because everything you do looks good for the institution and so on and so forth. So no, I don't think I'd have been... I don't think I had that in me. Okay. <laughs> Just truth be told. No, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, anyone... Like our jobs? Who has read... Our well, get in touch. Piece? Do. Genuinely. Oh, I'd actually love to hear more about... 178 downloads now, Arthur. That, so that's... in Today, someone else has downloaded, unless that counts as you. Maybe. Oh, All oh, right, okay, okay. Genuine excitement, though. <laughs> hey, look. First result when I Your life's work, like, you know. Absolutely. You want people to read it. Well, we did, say, we did say last week we would do an hour chat about Dylan with you before Christmas. <laughs> Christmas week. my present, is it? Yeah. I'm starting to think Christmas is a much busier time than yeah. the middle of summer. So, I don't know. This could, this could be elevated. Art has gone on holidays next week, and then when he comes back, I think there might be the Dylan hour, 9 to 10. Yeah. Uh, do you enjoy your jobs? Yes. Yeah. Never worked at anything else. So that's it. Will's been Will's been on the beat since he was twelve. Man and boy, not quite twelve. Yeah, man and boy. I think yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> mm, Fifteen when I started. It's twenty years ago. This year. There you go. That's impressive. Yeah. I was also not for. I also feel terrible. I didn't actually literally work in anything else. Like other people worked in petrol stations or did something different in college. I literally worked in radio the whole time through. Never had another job. No. Not, not shameful like that. I'm not saying that in any kind of boastful way. Yeah, I'd like to do something different because I was the same as Arthur pretty much all of my lectures in college gave the same advice because a good few people in our class went on to do the PhD directly after their MA and they were like do not go straight into academia because you'll end up working in this for the next 30 years without doing something different go do something different first and come back in your 30s and I just never did Mm. Michael where are you? I thought Vincent Dung was very honest in our interview I will say that the the correspondents and the senior sports writers and like the, the newspaper men I do think have a very different and you I think you touched on this with Vincent you know they do have a different job than us you know and there is a little bit and that is constantly changing and like our job is changing as well I've been at it since 2007 and it's a very very different gig now than it, than it was before but at the same time I think most of the uh, most of the core stuff is the same and I've never stopped enjoying it, I have to say. Like, I mean, there's ups and downs and there's everything else, but ultimately, you know, we get to talk about the things we love all day in the build-up to the show, which is then two other people, but it's the same conversations, you know, and I don't know if everybody always feels this way, and sometimes it's in a negative way even about sport, but it's still the thing that I'm passionate about and I love, and, you know, we don't always kind of smell the roses on that, but honestly, more often than not, especially in the last couple of years, I would be, you know, very much aware of the privilege, I suppose, mm. to have this, to, to, to have this job and to have the, yeah, to have that sort of, um, not even a platform, because I don't care about my ability to, to talk about it, but to be in the, right, I come to work and get to talk about and decide on and help decide on what the sports stories are that we're going to talk about on a radio show at night like it's it's class you know and we should never lose sight of it either you know mm. Arthur O'D oh yeah, I love it yeah I love it like Mick saying like, there's always ups and downs everything and there's all just the kind of 
day to day stuff in any working environment like but as a job like it's crazy it's crazy, it's crazy that you that this is it like and like you do take it it does take its toll it takes a toll like it's no it's easier like, than any job it's just no it's but it's just passion, like the yeah. fact that you're getting to work towards something that you actually enjoy and there's a tangible um you don't want to say product but a tangible output from everything every day of what you do yeah i like that about it too there is that like i think it must be tough to work on a project which is like years in the making and you don't get that daily sense of good bad or indifferent i mean, I must say I'm, I'm shocked to hear based on your general demeanors across the average day that the three of you enjoy <laughs> oh, work no. not, this is not a vibe i'm picking up on I, I i understand that actually and i know you're kind of joking there but i yeah, do only kind th- of. There, yeah i know because there, there is there is naturally a cynicism creeps in but also just the day-to-day grind cre- creeps in and there is also like a day like today right like let's be honest with people today there's nothing to talk about today yeah, like you know what i mean then. so it's like and, and and there's some days like that where we will have something ready to go and that'll uh you know define the show and then there's other days when you know we don't and you want something to crop up and nothing really cropped up and that doesn't make the day any that doesn't make the day easy so you're obviously not going to be going around going hey guys i'm so happy to be out off the ball tonight because you're doing it every day it's never going to be like that but yeah it doesn't mean that you're generally not happy going into work every day and i wouldn't i i, I just wouldn't want to be doing anything else you know and i think was just reminding ourselves of that every now and then. I think is is probably a helpful <laughs> yes, thing. Yes, well said. <laughs> Donald in New Zealand. No, Joe. I know. Sorry. No. 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 You no, skipped. No. Oh, it's hard here. I, I, I related. I found myself kind of like nodding along to Fairchild. What Vincent said. Being honest. Um, you weren't there in his golden day, in what no, he described the, as the golden era. The the sense of preoccupation in your life. That what would was you rather be doing the summer Sundays. Well, I don't know. Probably not much else, I suppose. I think on balance, I, I'm i enjoying work massively at the moment, I have to say. Like, we've got a great thing going. Working on the show is just super. Um, couldn't be much better, I don't think. I'd say that my biggest... Um, I love being on air still. I'd say the biggest drawbacks increasingly are the work you have to do to go on air. Just the, oh, God, I've got to prep and get on top of a million things. Um, my My biggest dislike would be... Uh, I would say borderline routinely, just because we're on air so much and we cover so many things, routinely going on air what I, I, where I haven't had enough time to prepare for something the way I would like to. Yeah. Like, like there are a huge number of interviews where I'm like, as we're about to start, I'm like, oh, jeez, I need another hour to get on top of this, but you have five minutes. So you don't do as good a job on it as you could do. So, you know, I could see the appeal of a once or twice a week <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of a thing, you know, I'd be uh, the Sunday paper. Having meetings about meetings, as we hear about in some other organisations. A little yeah. bit, but preparing a bit better, ultimately, would be the point, you know, as opposed to last minute. Talk. Like we do, um, we did a piece with um, Matt Slater later on. Just the way it fell, basically no prep time the way I would have wanted. So that kind of, if that's happening routinely, that gets in on me a little bit. But... Um, I couldn't think of many things I'd want to do more, I suppose. And I tell you the thing about the job, and nothing beats the good days here. Like if you do a good interview or you do a really good show and we're all high fiving and see you tomorrow, like that's great. Yeah, it's it's a it's a figurative high five. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't touch anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know what's a massive advantage as well, Joe, compared to when I was listening to Vincent talking about, you know, the grind of particularly you commit to tens of thousands of words on a Sunday from a venue where you're covering something. And then you have to have the Monday piece, which you sit down and invariably have to write on the Sunday night as well. In broadcast journalism, the one good thing, the adrenaline kicks in, you get to the interview in the moment. And in many ways, you get to move on and just push on to the next piece. Yeah. Which I think is a huge advantage compared to the print side of sports journalism. No, that's true. I love the idea of crafting a piece and sitting down and maybe having time to think about it. But I actually quite like the idea you can compress everything into the window that it happens and then another story happens or another guest and you just move on. Yeah, that is true. Then there is one slight thing from that that I kind of take away from it. I do appreciate like, and say Vincent, Vincent's amazing. Um, and his work's been amazing. That's kind of what I recall reading from the earliest stage of when you're kind of a, aware of newspapers and such. But I do kind of think, I do. it seems to me a little rose tinted in a certain way to be looking back in terms of, so access versus little or no access, right? I still think the fact that like, it wasn't like the majority of sports journalism, whatever, 30, 40 years ago, was astonishing because of the access that was there. Yeah. And I still think that great people, some people are doing people amazing work then, true. and some people are doing amazing work now with no or little or no access because they have to, I suppose, fashion and work in a different way. It probably is less, 
maybe it, maybe it connects less because there isn't so much that people certainly are drawn in so say as PC was talking about Jack Charles people will be drawn in by that and if you don't have that hook there it might be harder to get people in the door initially mm. but I still think the work some of the work being done is incredible in spite of that yes I agree that people do find new ways around it as such there is also trade-offs like they've got massive technological advance, uh, advantages over like you know, 30, 40 yeah. years ago, they've got massive research advantages. You yeah. know, like, the yeah. ability, you know, like, think <laughs> like about that. Think crazy. about you're writing a piece, like, on the past and all, how hard it would have been to find the details and to how much of it was probably committed to memory that doesn't need to be there anymore, you know? Um, well, I found it, like, when you were going through even things for the newspaper archive, the thought that you'd have to go into the library every day or whatever to kind of get that and search through it in a hope, as opposed to, like, three-minute search and you're like, it's there, it isn't. I do think one of the great things about this job is what we're doing right now, which is having a very focused conversation, which, well, I was about to say has our full attention mix on his phone. Yeah, he's gone. <laughs> but in the main, it's a very real, like red light goes on and it's, ooh, we're all really talking to each other in this very kind of visceral way. It's amazing. It doesn't really, ha- I don't have a kind of such intense conversations in my life as I do in this room. Are you more aware of the people on TV or radio? Obviously there's a lot more on TV <laughs> just judging by the matches you're doing but are you more aware of being watched when you're being watched or listened to you get a lot more uh, vitriol and criticism and nasty comments here alright oh. <laughs> okay and on TV I don't oh yeah why is that don't know guess we're very exposed to the internet I suppose so a fairly nasty quotient on there so yeah so I'd be sometimes conscious here saying something and I would think, oh, it's going to be seized upon. <laughs> Not going to check later. Yeah. Far less than when there's half a million people watching Ireland Game on TV. million people on TV. million yeah. people. No, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I wasn't going to undersell Virgin Media's audience. But Unbelievable. You know. um, yeah, far less so. I, you'd, rarely if, you'd rarely get a, a negative comment with the TV, funny enough. Interesting. It is, yeah. I, I would have anticipated it being the opposite way when I started, but... Mm. Uh, I would, I would have thought so too but then again I don't know a lot of conversations like it seems to happen when I bump into people now is about things that they hear on the radio there seems to be a, a far more they're likely to actually interact with it in a way maybe more so than like a really big game where you're tuning in to watch how Ireland are going yeah. to get on like, no, so unless something crazy happens well, on exactly. the panel they exactly. move on the panel is irrelevant in many ways essential and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. make sure you tune in plenty of time <laughs> yeah. don't just turn up and kick off time um Hi again, team. By the way, this is uh, another New Zealand uh, emailer just to draw a line under uh, Bob Dylan and everything. I only singled out Arthur as Dr. O.D. in the opening line last week because one, I hoped it would have more of a chance of being read. And two, I hoped it might send you down some form of a tangent as they are the best parts of the segment. Three, anyone mad enough to do a PhD deserves to be called by their proper title. I'm not a crazy psychotic fan of Arthur or anything like that. <laughs> he doesn't need to worry you, uh, at all. All of you make, a, make for a brilliant listen. And let's be honest, there's no show like a Joe show. Well, there is one other. But anyway, uh, though I do very much enjoy that Arthur doesn't say a whole pile, but when he does, it's usually well thought out and laced with cynicism. Oh, he didn't use <laughs> that last bit. I know. <laughs> Everything was so nice. <laughs> laced with cynicism. I've read out this entire email just for that one line. And living in a country where people are generally happy, optimistic and take everything at face value, Arthur makes me remember what it means to be Irish. Jeez. Looking forward to the Bob Dylan Christmas special. Is New Zealand a place where everybody's happy, optimistic and takes everything at face value? Yeah. I thought they were kind of a bit more snarky. No, a bit dowry, yeah. Yeah. All right, well. Taciturn. Happy to fulfil a role, I suppose. <laughs> you're, just thinking of, you're just thinking of Warren Gatlin, aren't you? Yeah, true. Like, well, does he strike you as... <laughs> yeah, but he's one man. Well, I'm sorry. I must, missed, I must have missed the Graeme Henry party when that was on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just rumpy coaches are dour. Everybody okay, else is yeah, happy going. Richie McCaw's great. Dan Carter. Yeah, Woo! Okay. <laughs> yeah, but I wouldn't say he's a name cynical me, type. Name me one happy news. Just that he's no crack. It doesn't mean that he's like cynical. He'd take you at face value, Dan Carter. I don't know. Did you read the reports from Gatland happy, about what he's been doing with the Welsh training over the last while? Oh, as well? yeah. What about that? Bloody hell. For anyone who, who didn't see it, essentially the Welsh players got waterboarded for the morning. Yeah. Then they got a bit of a break after listening to screaming babies Crying. in headphones yeah. to get them ready for the World Cup. Yeah. And then they had a few beers. Sorry, when you say to get them ready for the World Cup, like as if that naturally follows on from what you just said. It doesn't. Yeah. It, makes, <laughs> it doesn't sound like any kind of preparation in any it's kind of a sporting strange, sense. Yeah. He was Gatlin. He was, I mean, so it sounds ludicrous. And I, I mean, listening to babies cry, my God. Um, he was saying the object was to 
get them comfortable with adversity and to like slow down their heartbeat during all of this? Like it's still slightly mad. Yes. Yeah. But that's now what they should do. probably try to do. Practice some rugby. Yeah. They haven't been very good at it recently. I thought this next email was uh, worth a mention. I have taught this myself. Uh, hi, lads. LTL third time emailer. Lots of talk recently in the Hurling Championship about the scoring record between TJ Reid and Pa Horgan. I appreciate free t- takings an important skill, but shouldn't there be more emphasis on the top score from play or at least highlight both records in parallel? Shamey Callanan, for example, has 40 championship goals from play. It does not get the airtime it deserves. From a scores from play per game basis, I would reckon that Tom Morrissey is leading the way this year in the championship. Oh, certainly not. Now, Conor Whelan, isn't it? Correct. 751. But again, this data is not easily found. I mean, Seamus, the lads knew. Unless you manually work it out for yourself, which is time consuming, he adds. Only played about like a few games, (laughs) five or six games this year. Uh, You have to look at every player, though. My question is, do the lads uh, think that the GA media at large are doing enough to record, promote and illustrate individual player records uh, from a data driven perspective? Thanks, Seamus. I think that's very fair. I don't. Go on. It's not like free free, free taking isn't a given. It is laced with cynicism. It's not a given. It's given to the person who is best at it. It in itself is an acquirable skill. It's yeah. not something you're just being yeah. handed over. But don't you get your fair share of within 30 metres that anyone could score? And even if you don't, you have far more chances that are given to you based on the team's work. And I might not, you know, I, I think that there's a, I just think that there should be two separate records. Absolutely. I don't think, I don't think it takes away from Hoggy or from, or, or from uh, TJ at all. Are you calling for the same thing then in soccer, take out penalties? Andy Collis. Absolutely. Oh, penalties shouldn't count at all. Andy Cole's disgusted. His record without penalties is so much better. Why should penalties not count at all? In terms of an individual scoring record, it should count as a goal in football. But like Messi and like, you know, Pessi and Pinaldo, right, right, whatever. But like, I just think that like, it's a free, it's a free goal. Like, it's not a free goal. But it more or less is. Like, of course <laughs> it is. For professional I, football. I right? think a goal from play should have way more value. But sure, how do you You're start catering that up? You're going to score 9 out of 10, though. Like, do you know how what do mean? you start factoring that up? Like, what I about just, if a tap in at the end back post, you're coming in and no one's done That's part of your job. But sure, anyone could score it, you know? Yeah, but you just nobody, have to be playing that position. But anybody can score it, but not everybody can score the penalty because only one player's taken it. But my point is, it just so happened this player is in that position. That's the position they play in. So Raheem Sterling at City set. Yeah. Scored an awful lot of goals. Just ghosting in the back post. A lot of pressure to be your free taker or be your penalty taker. Absolutely. 100% they shouldn't be taking. Why do you think he's the best player in the team normally? I know, but it's an unfair advantage over somebody who does all their scoring from play in terms of the scoring record. I really don't think that the difference would actually be that great. Do you not think that we should have it whereby, as as this emailer says, like he doesn't say, oh, free taking. And it's not a given. It's a really difficult skill. Do you not think it should be like, who is the all-time scorer from play? Do we know? Not sure. So that's his point. But there's, there's we, a core that, point. That's his point. We there should is a know. core point here, though, which is that the GA keep their records horrifically. Well, no, that's okay. That's no, no, they thing. do. Like, because I love one of the things I love about American sports. Like when Tom Brady was breaking records, yeah. they could tell you over a course of time this is the amount of yards of pass have happened, this is the amount of touchdowns. I really like that. And I really You're like taking that me well. off on a tangent now, which is not the point of this slot. That's exactly the point. <laughs> of this slot. <laughs> but do you not think? Say, let's say going forward, if we get better at taking our records, <coughs> like we should. Then I should be keeping a notebook myself so I can turn around and say. Connor Whelan has averaged seven point one points per game, or centrally available, or, or something. But do you not think it's a pity that we all knew Horgan and Reed? But actually, when I said to you guys, "Who's the top scorer from play?" We in didn't Hurling know history? though. The, the Horgan record almost went by. They actually had to go back and check reports because there was a mistake. Okay. Initially, they thought Horgan had gone over by two points when he was right. actually two but, points. But over. we know they're in the mix. Yeah. Well, look, and also it's a kind of a well, like that, their their record taking is a farce, and we've talked about that loads of times over the years. You're hundred percent right in it. Yeah. But. But don't Stop you think trying it's a, to gloss over the fact that yeah. free takers get m- too much credit. I think it's a, a huge pity that none of us had an idea what the name is. That we're we're incredible. We're vastly underappreciating somebody who has outscored everybody else from fair playing. though. And I don't again. We can have a look and back this up, and maybe it doesn't matter as much because the scores were lower. The kind of free taken now, where it's as like the amount that's being actually converted. I can only imagine is way higher than it used to be in terms of like you didn't have players routinely knocking up eight nine points from frees. Probably not. Like, and especially from, like, where, you know, like, who was last year? The last day in that Tip Galway game, Jason Ford almost passed the Northern Bar from his 45. Yeah. I was like, I, I just remember the way he was lining up. I was like, he's not shooting there. And I just sailed over. Yeah. 
So I, I, I don't think I like you're going to go. How far are you going back? Like, how willing, you know, are you going back to the 30s and 20s? We're not going to have the answers, but like, it's it's just, I think it's a fair thing to say that we should have it from play record because it's a different, it's a different sure. skill. Sure, why would you okay, so why, why okay. So, so, why so TJ Reid, I would though. say, by the way, right, so like, let's, I'm not taking his name in vain. I would imagine he's very high on this list if, if it existed. With right? or without, yeah. Yeah, I would say if he's not in the top five, I'd be very surprised, right? But say, hypothetically, TJ Reid, did 11 points from freeze, one from play every game. Like, he's getting an awful lot of chances based on the team's work to tap over his freeze and then to be the top scorer of all time. Like, again, this isn't the case with TJ, but if yeah. it was. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Did, did, like, Have we got a 2v2 here? Hoggy and, and Reed passed out Joe Canning. There was a good few years Joe wasn't on the freeze for Galway. You know, he was a lot of the time, but he wasn't always. Okay, so I'll put it this way, though. You're still then, you're just award, rewarding people who are playing in a certain position, right? So it'll be mostly, it'll be only forwards in that list. So are you going to have a different award then for, say, best ah, fielder? come on, no. Best no, interceptions, no. best, you know. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, t- I'll give you an example. <laughs> Why should Did, the defender I'll, I'll give you an example. Lace with cynicism. I'll, I'll give you an example of a conversation that we had this weekend, right? You asked me about the uh, Clare Dublin game. You didn't see it live, right? Yeah. And I said to you that Mark Rogers was on the freeze for Clare and I was like, Kelly got man the match, but Rogers was brilliant. He got one eleven, and I just like immediately was like, only f- only five of them were from freeze. Yeah. He got one six, and that that was my my like translation. My translation was he scored one six. Every single match report you, know? you read when it has the scoring part at the end, and it's the top scorer, and then they have in brackets eight of the nine were from freeze. And you yeah. go and look and see who the real top scorer was. I guarantee you, if you looked at that and it was like none of the nine were from freeze, you'd be like, my god, nine from play. Yeah, well, obviously. I mean, that's that's the point we're making. But in that's so terms. rare. That doesn't really happen. But all, all the more reason why we should. Like other celebrate players are there. They can do that. All the more reason we should celebrate the top scorers from play as much as we will fate. But people Oregon, do. People Reed. do. Like people. What did Flanagan get in the Munster final last year? Who, who's the all-time top scorer in hurling history? Who cares? From play. From play. None of us have a clue. I'd still say TJ Reid's up there. I know, oh, but we don't is, know. Yeah. That's the point. We should know. Sure, we don't. Who's the Who's the record appearance holder? Oh, I can tell you that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't have a breeze. Like, come here. What? I, I'll give you another thing though, right? Because we were right, talking, we, we were talking with uh, Nash about these records, and he uh, on Friday with Jar, and he was talking about how good a thing it is, and how like Horgan and Reed should be uh, celebrated more, and they shouldn't be made feel uh, like they're not, like they shouldn't celebrate this or be proud of us, you know. And I think that was a really interesting thing. But I've completely forgotten. <laughs> He also, he also said, he also said anyone that. who underestimated Freeze is yeah, he did crazy say that, yeah. to the point because it's not a formality. There's you no guys want to have a guess who has made the most appearances in the championship? I can't keep track of this conversation. Go on. TJ Reid. I'm telling you, he's got them all. <laughs> this is what I was going to ask. So if we're, if we're taking Freeze off people, I'm not what, taking them off what them. about if you play in the Leinster Championship and you've got an extra game every year and you play oh, against Westmead? And nothing we can do about that. All right. At a certain point, there's nothing we can do. You don't take the you don't take the scores off from the you know the oh, Liechtenstein no the goal difference against Liechtenstein doesn't <laughs> this count. This isn't like Henrik Larsson having to score hundred goals to be like top of the. <laughs> Wait, at one point five the game. No. <laughs> <laughs> what a good one. Oh god! Oh, we got to go for an hour break. Back in one sec. You're welcome, Mac. This is a slight tangent. Uh, there's an email that we don't need to dwell on, but I just think it's worth uh, briefly. Mentioning, I suspect everybody's in agreement with this, and yet we're uh, stuck in the same place. This is from Jojo. Apologies uh, for the back-to-back emails. I'll be honest, Jojo, I hadn't seen your first one, so don't worry about it. Could you please use your platform as the biggest show on radio? Biggest show on radio? I I don't know. I'm not sure about that, but uh, to highlight the ridiculous volume of the Lansdowne PA system. I know it gets discussed on the news round every time you're live from the stadium, but pressure needs to be kept on the organisers year round to lower the volume. I really don't understand their excuse for having it so loud. The safety announcements instructions are read out by a different guy in a low, hushed voice. (laughs) That sounds a bit odd. I've been at plenty of stadiums around the world. Nowhere comes close to the decibel level of Lansdowne, with the exception of Oriel Park says Jojo Oriel Park <laughs> oh, I couldn't agree more it's a disgrace can it's, I say something it's on a that? disgrace Michael I think it's the last vestige of uh, British rule on this island <laughs> no but I, I, that's a joke obviously but I think it comes down to an inferiority complex I feel like that we don't trust our fans to generate atmospheres I feel like there's always this sort of like need to make events out of sport by people I don't know whether they don't understand sport or they don't trust sports fans 
And I think that that's for me what that comes down to is like it's this sort of eventizing um, matches, mm. you know, See, and in make, Park. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's actually a bit of an Irish thing. I have to say, yeah, it has the opposite effect as well. It means that an atmosphere can't kind of naturally grow ahead of a game because it gets so noisy. You can barely even have a conversation to the person beside you before the game starts. You're just blown out by the music. It takes all excitement out as yeah. well, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a real fake atmosphere as well. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's madness. How are we going to push this agenda on? I don't know. Every time we do a news round there uh, before a game, we make the point that it's ludicrous. And when you, I often because we're at the very bottom of our stand, uh, height-wise, so we're like looking over the railings. And I will often turn around and look at everybody behind me, the 50 rows behind us in the upper tier, and everybody's miserable. No one's talking. It's just too loud to be bothered. It's like being in a nightclub and you're, oh, I've given up doing the fake nods that I can hear, understand what you're saying. I'm just going to sit in silence, you know. It's, really, it's an atmosphere killer. It's Probably told you this one killer. before, Joe, but the two that really killed me were two games I covered during COVID. Dundalk versus KI, where there was maybe 60 people in the entire stadium, including delegates, the players and the press. Yeah. And the music was still up at 11 on that night. Mm. And Leinster against Saracens, empty quarterfinal of the Champions Cup a couple of years ago. Again, all of the music you'd hear if there was 50,000 in the stadium was going out at full volume. Yeah. Pointless, literally pointless in an empty stadium. Yeah. Uh, Rob has, uh, we mentioned this before from time to time, uh, so it just read it again relatively briefly dear OTB love the show and the AST slot as I watched the first half of the Republic of Ireland Zambia it's difficult to separate the match from the hyper empathy shown by the commentators to the Irish players it's only my very average opinion but this format of excusing uh, commentary regularly featured in women's sports coverage completely demeans the quality effort and talent on show to appreciate the excellence you have to be honest about the errors and so on I realise there may be an editorial challenge not to be overly harsh in a growing sport, but the lack of any debate about underperformance, whether it be the first half versus Zambia, you know, the Six Nations, etc., can't be good for credibility of the competition, thus hindering the growth of women's coverage. Would love to get your thoughts on this tightrope, and if there is a need for a more honest appraisal of performance at times, all the best, especially to the girls in green in Oz. Thanks, Rob. Interesting email. It is something we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about it in that instance, though. <clears throat> I, I like because we had so mostly listening here because we had, and Nathan and Kathleen were out at it, and like they couldn't but kind of stress how this has been bad. Okay, it's like this has been bad, and I'm pretty. I don't know if I'm imagining it, but I know from walking in and out because George Hamilton was doing it on RTE. I don't know who he was with, but I still do remember them in the first half. Kind of, there was a bit of an exasperated tone to it. Like, okay. I don't th- think there was any excuses being made. It was like, also a World Cup warm-up game. Like, yeah. I mean, there's a generally festival atmosphere to those things. Nobody's picking apart the team, so if they were doing any criticism at all, it's probably more than you'd usually get from a game like that. I thought it was a touch generous. I have to say, the TV commentary. Okay, I, I, I didn't hear all of it. So some of the mistakes I just thought were really bad pieces of play beneath the standard required and. I didn't feel they were being picked up upon or talked about or they were g- given a very generous slant. I mean, yeah. Was my sense in certain instances. But it's not across the board and I think, no. I think um, you know, got female players would be the first to say, don't patronise us. Does it, is it more down to, I think, just, the, I don't know about thing like the, I don't know is it necessarily gendered insofar as how people relate to the team. So if you think a lot of the coverage, like if, if Stephen Kenny was someone else, if Stephen Kenny, if says this was Mick McCarthy's team mm-hmm. and the results were the results or whatever, you know, someone more maligned necessarily, then Stephen Kenny's got his fair share of supporters, you'd s- s- say. Mm-hmm. I do feel that the coverage of him and of that team is more favourable. Now, maybe, maybe it's just the circumstances, but I, I definitely don't think it's been handled in the default way that these results would be handled in previous eras after three years. Not a hope. Like, not a hope. Maybe, I think there's been an allowance there for a period of transition under Kenny. Yeah. Everything's, uh, everything's viewed through that prism. But, and it's not that's the same then if it comes down to the, like, I suppose this particular, the Ireland women's team, and so far as, as well, the circumstances. So pre-war, it's a World Cup warm-up game. This team has, they're, they're completely different to any other team that's come before them in, their th- in terms of what they've achieved, mm. in terms of how well they're known. Like, I, I really don't think they're given... And I mean, the song situation after Scotland would suggest they previously, they certainly weren't kind of being treated. That was slightly different. I don't know. There were a couple of instances. Like I just vividly remember in the build up to one goal or for the penalty. Like there was a, it was a horrific shot, I think, for the handball. Like it was going a million miles wide and a million miles high. Really, like it was bad effort. And it was like, 
brave enough to take the shot and we won the penalty. Okay. And I kind okay. of thought, yeah. I just don't know. I just thought that's just a little, just yeah. that generous slant at all times was there. I don't have a great problem with it, I have to say. Um, Standard should be though, Joe, it should be as critical as the commentary teams were of Ireland versus Greece in a situation where the Ireland women's team play poorly against Zambia. No, yeah, that you wouldn't they're hold different back. games. They're completely different no, games. No, no, I know they're different circumstances. But what I mean is, if something like that happened with the Irish men's team, there'd be criticism. For a friendly a friendly against Zambia, I don't think so. I think if they went and yeah, put in their worst performance of the year in their most important qualifier, I think you have a better comparison there. I don't think the passion would be right, raised male or female for a friendly game at home, which they, they ultimately they won. won. If, if, they'd lo- no. if, if they'd lost to Finland, say... Mm. In those last things, there would have been questions asked about it. There's no, yeah, yeah. no two ways about it. To be fair, the halftime analysis was very much that wasn't very good. Yeah. This well, who was that? That was Karen and Stephanie. Yeah. Roche. Yeah. 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 Ivan was presenting. So that was fairly clear cut. The rugby comparison is interesting. The rugby mentioned there is interesting because what yeah. we had in the Six Nations, and this is why I think you have to be wary of saying one rule for, you know, it has to be the same for men as for women. We do have to take context into, into account. Yes. And that's a great point. You yeah. know, you like, I think we, as a show, I think we're vaguely critical of the Six Nations uh, team, mm-hmm. of the Irish team in the Six Nations, because they probably didn't play up to the standards that they should have in the in the tournament. However, there was a massive, massive, massive like caveat to criticising them too much in that maybe they didn't play to the standards that they should have, but those standards were going to be a lot lower than England and France and possibly even Scotland and Wales, given the circumstances, and Italy even, given the circumstances of Irish women's rugby over the last decade, but let's say in particular the last four or five years. Yeah. So, you know, and let's face it, like those issues exist a lot more in women's sport than they do in men's and especially if you're taking like for like taking the international men's team versus the international women's team versus you know the Dublin you know the LGFA county teams versus the GEA county teams there's a lot more issues going on and we have to I I just think that it's like we can all be saying oh we want the quality let's go and slate them because as opposed to and I did say this before as well maybe we should be thinking instead of slating the women maybe we should be a bit more in praise of the men and not be such negative kind of like uh, have such negative analysis in the first place that's very fair I'm speaking I was raised on that RT panel I want blood it's blood sport (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the World Cup goes because I think people will be very I think people will even be surprised, I would say, at how into the World Cup they will get now and how it'll be the show, only show in town and it'll be Ireland at a World Cup. There'll be huge crowds, especially that first game in Australia. And if Ireland do massively underperform, and I hope that we never find this out, I'd be surprised, actually, if people don't get yeah. kind of on them a little bit, you know? And look, it's not what we want to see. And, uh, you know, again, I hope this opportunity doesn't arise. But if it does, I, th- I think you'd be surprised at how much um, people will treat it just as football. You'll be waiting. <laughs> I do think you're right though I do think if they were you know an Ireland at Euro 2012 type situation panned out here it would be um, they wouldn't be long known about it well you see funny that's one where it did, well, we have to see the performances and we'll cross the bridge as much as I did sort of see where the emailer was coming from on the Zambia performance because I just thought at times in the first half it was really poor and maybe was given a very generous assessment yeah. of each individual moment. I do think with the World Cup there is a real degree now of like any kind of reasonable account of themselves is is fine by me because it's such an achievement to get there. So I'd yeah, be yeah. almost less inclined for them. I, it is different. Oh, yeah, reasonable account though, yeah. What is a reasonable account? If they lost every game, no, it's all about performances. I don't. Yeah. Let's not be worried about like results. That's but, what like, I meant. It's about how they play. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, no. I'm saying this is the lowest bar for non-criticism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's we're getting out of the group. Like, Joe <laughs> <laughs> Pro. We'll try and keep this short. Uh, given it's already a saturated market, how do we think a Netflix series on hurling would do? Obviously, a success in Ireland, but internationally, also names for it. Hurling, get the puck out. Hurling, the puck of the Irish. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, love the segment. Here's hoping for seven in a row. Cheers. Oh, Paul. it's not going to happen. Pressure. Unless we just replace Arthur. Would Hurling... Oh, you're on holidays next week? Yeah. There is no seven in a row. Replace me. Just like that. Well, Jesus sub in, you know. Sure anyone can take freeze, Arthur. Just get some cynical type <laughs> to get come the in. cynical <laughs> corner over oh, there. What does know? that make me? Does that make me Jim Gavin? 
<laughs> You're going to get in Dizzy Farrell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Bow out after six. It was too good. Uh, uh, Hurling's a funny one. I, would it be a success? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I don't think... So I remember going, I remember one time like seeing like the ESPYs, which I think is over the top and not great, but it is a show of what you can do with like a sports awards thing, you know, and have a bit of fun with it and make it a TV show, right? And I remember that same year going to the All-Stars in the convention centre and thinking, this is what RT, I'd be gung-ho on like, RT, you're missing a trick, they should be doing this. And then listening to the interviews that night, and it's like these guys afraid to take credit for the fact that they've won an All-Star. Afraid, oh, you won, you won the All-Ireland that you were player of the year and you scored 9-42 in every match. <laughs> ah, sure, look, you know. Uh, the ball just broke. You know, there. like was, uh, we got lucky and sure, look, we'll be back training tomorrow and we'll hope we get <laughs> you know, we'll, have to, we'll have to improve we want to win next year it's like there's no culture of bombast yeah. in no. GA and especially not in hurling it's and pork. it needs a <laughs> yeah just like don't know characters no it just needs um, it needs characters like that that I don't know would come out in a documentary I think you'd have some fascinating bits and some fascinating like real stories that would come out if they follow people for a year but I don't know if we'd have that character to grab the attention there's also something interesting which we don't have time to tease apart properly now but there is something pretty interesting in the fact that the greatest sport in the world ever played by any man, by any <laughs> Anthony Daly, <laughs> can't spread beyond like a few counties. Yeah. If it's that good, that's because we do well Gaelic if the football's keeping it down. You know, but you know, so oh, it's going to go global. Well, Jeez, yeah, but I wouldn't even think it'd be that be the aim. Over it wouldn't go no, global. It wouldn't be. It would just tell the story. It wouldn't mean people are going to be yeah. starting to watch the first round of the championship <laughs> in America next yeah. year. You know? <laughs> oh god! We'll yeah. probably get that niche market on Netflix where people will watch a sport that they haven't seen before. Yeah. But the problem is, you'd love to have something like, say, the Westmead documentary or the Galway football documentary, where you get warts and all, and maybe things going wrong during the season. I just don't think any county team would allow the cameras in for that. No. I think sort of interesting enough. You'd have to say to them, look you're going to get the all-stars type characters in the main but visually over a two or three parter I mean this could be a feast for the eyes yeah get the right cameras in there catch the right games in the, the right part, like 30 odd Adam, cameras slow motion us to death do you remember the documentary uh, they did yeah. for the anniversary the, or whatever anniversary it was um, 125th wasn't it and they did a, our game or something like yeah, that it was the game it was yes the great. game and it was brilliant it was That's really good. really good but it was more in the styles of, uh, style of a Ken Burns style documentary than it was in the style of a Netflix kind of fly on the wall and I think Hurling's story and the romanticism of it might be better suited to that mm. than it is to a kind of a everyday dressing room piece mm. We kind of had an obsession as well Joe about how it was perceived before remember when Hurling first went on Sky Sports everyone went on Twitter to see what the English would think yeah. of it it never really sustained that audience Joey Barton liked it Yeah, mm -hmm. a few people here and there but it never took off in the way that maybe the GA would have imagined it could have. Yeah, true. I want a thing. You know what I want? Go a high-end documentary made out of Dennis Walsh's book. Is that the revolution years? Go and make a thing. Because all that footage is there. Mm. Imagine that. Like, imagine a four or five-parter with that. Yeah. And you're working through each team. And you get all those people, like, again, you're, like most of them will still be there. But why? Because like, that's now, it's, I suppose, it's coming up on, you know, it's increasingly 30 yeah. or so years ago. That it's like, but... I just don't think that's a story people get tired of. No, I really and don't every think county so. is involved as well. Yeah. You know, you have Kerry beating Waterford in it, like you know, and that's their moment. And then Waterford come back later in the decade. Like it's got every single county that play hurling involved in it, yeah. except maybe Dublin. They're not really a part of that story, are they? If we were going to do seven in a row, who would you vote as your stand-in next week? Uh, I'll get back to you. I don't. I don't know off the top of my head who's around. Would you put someone bad in so you're not replaced? No, no, I have enough confidence in myself. I'll back myself Aww. to get back in. Louis <laughs> must be due a second appearance, Luig is he? itching to get in, I think. Yeah. Louis, if you're listening, text me there. I'll book you in for next Tuesday. Dave McIntyre might fancy it, you know? No, no, good no. That's, 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 he's too good of an all-rounder. Don't do that. That's, that's, take don't big that's, that's a big dig <laughs> at column. Don't big-time me. <laughs> <laughs> can't bring in. That's, that's not good. Oh, no. Uh, that, that would make him Jim Gavin I'm now Pat Gilroy <laughs> <laughs> I don't want, I don't yeah. want that <laughs> Any, I might find work either way you're an All-Ireland winner though yeah yeah is Kenny on holidays I don't know if God, like, the people have always wanted it I just uh, <laughs> Joe's having a panic attack <laughs> we're not doing it live <laughs> Jamie and Salins uh, long time listener first time emailer, emailer when the f with the football season officially over I'm just curious what podcast you listen to that aren't aren't sport related most of mine are all sports related, so I'm just wondering if you had any recommendations. 
It's interesting that the football season necessarily leaves a hole in your yeah. podcasting life. GA, uh, Jamie. It's like, yeah, we've got God's heard pod, football pod. GA country. Not a League of Ireland fan, but... I like the inner time on BBC is amazing. Yes. It's unbelievable. Melvin Bragg still... Yeah. Uh, still going strong. Him out, what yeah. a man. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Fresh air. Very nice. Yeah. Very you can, nice. Where can you get that? You can't get that on Spotify, can you? Get it on Apple. Oh, yeah. There is an interview that... Um, Fresh Air did Terry Gross and the guy from Kiss. What's his name? The guy, you know, Kiss. Simmons. Yeah. Gene What's Simmons. Gene Simmons. Yeah. I would recommend anyone. This is from the 90s. All it's right. A, it's on YouTube. Uh, listen to Terry Gross's interview with Gene Simmons on YouTube. Let's discuss again. Okay. Do, Who's your favorite interviewer? Doesn't, doesn't go well. Who's your favorite not interviewer? A, not a meeting of minds. Um, <laughs> Do you know who's become a bloody great interviewer in his latter years? Unexpectedly, is Howard Stern. Okay, okay. Phenomenal interviewer now. Obviously, back in his heyday, it was all fairly <laughs> risque, grim, and <laughs> laddish. And, but I think he's had some kind of midlife crisis, done a lot of therapy. Okay. Uh, he's, you know, uh, probably a more. Come out the other side. Uh, to, to an extent. I mean, I'm not going <laughs> to vouch for everything about Howard Stern. <laughs> But put them in a room and two microphones and let them talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oof. Like he even made Hillary Clinton outstandingly entertaining, interesting, brilliant. Got loads out of her. So he'd be up there as an interviewer. Okay. I'm just giving you an, I, I, I could say Parkinson, but you know what I mean? No, I'll no. Give you someone was was Parkinson that good an interviewer or was it just like... Yeah, I don't know what you mean. He put people at ease and all and there was a great, there was a great vibe to his show. But as an interviewer, was he actually getting everything out of people or is he just a really good talk show host? That's a good question. There's two different things, I think. Yeah, it is a good question. Another podcast. He would um, ask... Sorry. He, I mean, to be fair... <laughs> sorry, yes. I was thinking about Parkinson. Oh, I'd rather hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, to be fair to him... In that whole thing of, well, rule number one, don't be boring. Like he would ask risque questions. Yeah. You know, Meg Ryan didn't appreciate it, sure. But in other instances, it got great stuff out of people and yeah. they went to kind of. Well, Graham Norton is brilliant places. at that, though. I think Graham Norton's as uh, good at that no. as. He's not an interviewer. No, but at that, though. He's a facilitator. Yeah. But isn't that the role of a uh, chat I show? Know. I look, I, 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 I admire him in so many ways, but like that show has just descended into. I, I, I haven't you watched it in about five uh, years just, but you tell there was a anecdote. time when it was brilliant you tell your pre-approved anecdote and act surprised when I go was there ever something they have too many good people they have too many big names uh, on it now yeah. was there ever something to do with you and a dog in a toilet roll and they're like how did you know about that well we talked about it 15 minutes before going on air <laughs> wink wink nod nod it's just got too much of that going on but I think that's how I think it's devolved to that rather it has devolved yeah. to that yeah but I mean in, when you get a glimpse of his spontaneity and he cracks these one-liners from things they've said whoa yeah like probably the best in the world he's extremely good and I think he's selling himself short by not interviewing people and trusting himself to like just go out there a little bit less planned. it's because they've got the biggest name so it's like right like whoever is the big star is coming over for their one TV yeah. appearance in the UK and it's right okay here's the pre they're all American so yeah. they have to have their preset uh, yeah. questions you can't get away with just doing an interview with someone anymore like yeah but to be fair to I don't like seven, eight, nine years ago it was some of the greatest TV you were like, how's, yeah, how's oh, this happening? Brilliant. How do they have these people on the couch together? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, podcasts. I don't know. I, I just look through there. It's, I, I'm ashamed of how much is sport. Out of. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, one I love, actually, and I saved them up, but I only listen to the ones that I know is the rewatchables, um, which um, Bill Simmons does with a couple of other ringer guys. And it's a sort of... Uh, there's a kind of an A-team and then there's a few other kind of ringer staffers that'll pop on, but they'll pick a film, usually 80s and 90s, yeah. that they know all about and they'll do an hour and a half on it, um, you know, with all kinds of categories and different things and it is, uh, Arthur listens to it as yeah, well, I know. Great. When I know the film well, yeah, it's as good as it gets when you see that popping up in your feed. Okay. You're like, oh, be good. You know, and you yeah. jump in and it's it's brilliant. It's as good as a film, especially an old film podcast as you get. Like if you want new stuff, I still think the Kermode and Mayo stuff is, they've gone out on their own, they're not on BBC anymore and actually their stuff is better for it in much the same format, but it's a slightly better, it's a little bit less restrained yeah. um, and that's still really good there every Friday. So that's just, just movie side of things anyway. Who do you think is a great interviewer? John Malloy. <sighs> yeah, I mean, present company excluded. Really? Um it was a great interviewer. I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Unless someone's completely kind of slipped my mind. But I, like for in long form type interview like yeah, that. Yeah, podcast form, I mean. Like I do like Mark Marins. I find him to be quite engaging with people. Yeah. Um, His one with Tommy Tiernan is very good. 
Yeah. Well, I didn't love that, I have to not? say. No, I thought that he kind of, he was looking for some paddy wackery and I didn't think they were ever on the same page. I thought Tommy tried to drag him to interesting places, which is a, it's usually the other way, the other way around. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. No, but I do think Marin is generally very good, actually. He, he, I, he, so, he, what he did with Tommy, actually, is something that usually works in that I, I go, oh, God, I'm almost awkward here. And then the person bears their soul yeah. out of nowhere. You know, when you kind of don't expect it to happen. So that's probably a good sign. I must say, I still am not over the loss of Kirsty Young from Desiree and Discs. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's a great shout. That's a I'll never shout. get over it. No, she's amazing. Mixed point of the clock there. Will, do you want to give us one that's not the hurling pod? Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> non-sport. That's a great one. Uh, hardcore History is one, Don Carlin. Always listen to. Kind of like when you dig into 15, 20 hours on a piece. Okay. Um, which is a long listen. And two, they're kind of not quite sport based, but I do listen to them because there's that wrestling interest side of things for me. OSW Review and A Podcast. Both so many podcasts. I feel like I've heard of them all. I haven't heard any of them. Dave McWilliams is a great podcast, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say, his, his recent interview with David Brooks is top top. Do you hear that? No. Oh, it's about the soul of America. Mm. Those things are just so good. I'd still throw on Eamon Dunphy plenty. Uh, the Daily, when you went get on top of something. I can't make up my mind on the rest is politics. Alistair Campbell keeps telling me he, what needs Boris Johnson to go away, but won't stop talking about him at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Revisionist History, Malcolm Gadwell's podcast, which comes in series and yeah. he does it over a team, is pretty good. And there's a few more kind of like like that ones that um, Slate do a thing that it's, it's, it's very American, so you'd want to be into it, called Slow Burn. And like oh, they, yeah. the, the first season is about Watergate and it's like, eight, nine episodes on the full Watergate story and they've done, I think they're on season seven now and they've all different topics but some of them are fantastic. You yeah. put me on to Revisions History. I enjoyed the first two series much more than the recent ones. Yeah, he's run out of stuff. It's like, when you're, <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's do a live podcast with two mates of mine who are actually researchers on the show and you're just there going, Malcolm, you're cheating here slightly. Yeah. I must, I've, I've overindulged, I've given up on all the like, I, I don't specifically mean him because he, he doesn't just do this but like that diary of a CEO type stuff of like, I just listening to people who are CEOs talking about getting up at six in the morning and meditating and like their morning routine and <laughs> yeah, all of that don't stuff. Care about but he, he doesn't basics. do any of this stuff. Huh? You don't care about your world class basics. Yeah, exactly. Um, all of that that whole um, kind of wellness infiltrating podcast stuff is just very off putting. Not very inspiring, really, is it? No. Like I listen to podcasts often to switch off, not to go. Hey, I should be getting up an hour earlier. Yeah, make yeah, my life yeah. more miserable. Yeah. Um, I'll have a thing I didn't I don't I, I haven't offered anything too the New Yorker one the New York radio hour is pretty good yeah kind of sporadic as well David Remnick's a decent interviewer he is yeah he's very he good is. he's got a great vo- tone of voice yeah very late here folks okay <laughs> gotta go bye bye